My name is Kakoa Li'ili'i, but my dads call me Koa. My name is Hawaiian for the small warrior. I'm a six-month-old Jack Russell Terrier training to be a therapy dog. I'm the best little boy because I unconditionally love everyone and just want to make everyone I meet happy. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On this week's episode, our guest is the ever-amazing Dr. Jedediah Bragg of the Ann and Henry Zero School of Social Work. Jedediah is also a former social work student of our CEO, Mike Bros. And Jedediah also played a key role in establishing the association's innovative mobile medical intervention team. The team provides primary patient care for the association's tenants and people living on the streets experiencing mental illness and substance use issues. But none of that is why we asked Jedediah to be on the show today. Jedediah is our guest because he is training his wonder dog, Koa, to be a therapy dog. To be clear, Jedediah is not training Koa to be his personal therapy dog, however. Rather, he's training Koa to be a therapy dog for the community at large. In essence, Koa is a furry social worker. But right now, actually, as we're talking, Koa is asleep in Jedediah's lap here in the studio. So with all that being said, Jedediah, welcome to the Mental Health Download. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Jedediah, tell us the story of Koa. Well, um, I, like many people, am very introverted. So even just being here today talking is quite the challenge. One reason that I knew I would be able to do this was because you invited Koa to come. Um, after 13 years of having a Karen Terrier, he suddenly passed away. And we knew we wanted to get another pup. Um, so we looked at getting a Jack Russell, which can be problematic because of their high energy and they're horribly smart. So we knew we needed to train this little guy. When we started training him, we started noticing little kids would latch onto him, people would latch onto him, and he just did not care. He just is like this little teddy bear that people can just pick up and do whatever they want with. And then we started noticing their moods would change, which started getting me interested more into the research on what is being done with working dogs, whether it's service animals, emotional support animals, therapy dogs, and in the case of Koa, he is currently being trained as a therapy dog, so he can go into schools. Um, he's been out to Thunderbird Youth Academy. Um, he works with the graduate students at the University of Oklahoma before they're doing tests or a simulation to work with their anxiety. It's amazing the minute a little dog walks in the room, everyone's mood just completely changes to, hey, it's not so bad. I can do this. What is the most gratifying thing about training a therapy dog? To me, it's showing people that anyone can do anything despite what people think they're capable of. Um, just this past weekend, one of the places where he's being trained posted this photo of, does your dog do this behavior? And it's always a Jack Russell Terrier. If you look up bad behavior dogs, there's a photo of a Jack Russell somewhere. So they're just known for being high energy and getting into trouble. But if you can teach them how to behave and give them something to do, they can do anything. So it's not to judge this book by a cover. It's Koa can do anything any other dog can do. He just has the known temperament of being horribly smart, strong-willed, and when in doubt can get into trouble if you don't supervise him. So it's how can we get other people to stop judging books by their cover? And to me, Koa sort of helps to do that. How did you actually get Koa? Well... I had had a Jack Russell a long time ago, so I always knew when our Karen Terrier would eventually pass away, we wanted to get a Jack Russell because they can run with you, they can go out and hike in the woods, they're more outdoorsy than a little bitty Karen Terrier. 
So we found a lady who had been breeding them for 20 years up in prior. And when we saw the litter she just had, I'm like, oh, this dog looks just like my old dog, Oliver. Then we saw his birthday. Koa was born on the very day Oliver, our Karen Terrier, passed away. So we were like, that's it. That's the decision. Koa's coming home with us. And then our life completely changed because now our schedule revolves around his class schedule, daycare, what days he has to go to work. So we've sort of overnight became this family of three and his schedule kind of runs the house. <laughs> so can you walk me through a typical day with Koa? Um, yeah, so he's a very early riser. We get up at five every morning for whatever reason. Time change is now a bigger problem. But we get up at five, we get him some breakfast, he'll go back to bed usually. Um, and then, depending upon the day of the week, he either goes with me to the University of Oklahoma to work for the day. He'll go to daycare if we're giving him a day off so he still has time to be a dog and play with puppies. And he actually now goes to daycare and plays with his little sister. Or he'll go with my husband who will take him to work and then drop him off at daycare. And then we have to do this text message exchange thing of who's getting off work first, who's picking up the dog. One of us will get the dog and then he usually has classes in the evening. So we're on the go from five in the morning um, until seven, eight o'clock in the evening. Usually it's sort of like those parents who will get their kids to school. Then they have to take them to soccer practice. They have to take them to football practice. Ours is get your dog to daycare, get your dog to school, get your dog's homework done because we want to make sure he is the most well-behaved Jack Russell in public so he can be a therapy dog. Tell me more about his school. What does that involve? Well, for him, um, because there's different classes of working animals for humans, there's the service dogs, emotional support animals, and therapy dogs. Um, therapy dogs, there really aren't, or there really isn't any legislation in place that states what they have to do, how they have to be registered. The big caveat is they need to be the most well-behaved, well-temperamented dogs. Um, they need to not get scared when they're in public. They need to be able to go up to people and not get scared. So with him, he's been in training since he was 10 weeks old, and he's now seven months. So we just came back from Denver, and he rode with us in the car, no problem, walked around Denver. Um, you can walk him up to strangers, and he'll sit down so they can pet him. Just Sunday night, he was out at Bass Pro Shops, and this little one, two-year-old girl just picks him up like a little teddy bear and would not give him back to us. And he just didn't have a care in the world. So it's all about socializing and making sure that they're prepared for whatever's going to come their way because someone is going to latch on to them. Koa, he actually wears uh, a little, what, what would you call that, a vest? A yeah, yeah, he wears a little, yeah, he wears a little vest that says therapy dog in training, ask to pet me. Ask to pet me. Um, how many people ask you? Well, he's kind of a double-edged sword because he's all of like 10 and a half inches tall. So everyone just immediately wants to come up to him because he is just so cute. Then they see the jacket and it's like, oh, can I pet him? Or we'll get the response of, oh, he's working. We can't pet him. And I'm like, no, no, you can. You just have to ask. Um, and it's because people generally don't realize a therapy dog is not the same as an emotional support animal or a service dog. The whole goal of COA is to make everybody else around me or wherever he's at feel better. He's not really providing a service for me. It's what is he providing for everyone else in the room. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that's a lot of the confusion that people get is, well, this is for you. But it's really interesting that you. this is like a community service for you and COA. 
I mean, this is like your little nonprofit, you know, <laughs> providing he's like a little counselor that you have take out in the community. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's like a little four-legged social worker. Um, I'm supposed to be working with people and providing services. That's what COA's job is as well. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I was one of Mike Bros's students. And one of my biggest things is I am not the biggest fan of interacting with people. Um, I'm more of a behind the scenes person. So even having Koa as a therapy dog to go work with other people, by default, it drags me out of my shell at the same time. So even though he's not providing a service for me, in reality, he is. Because when you ask me to do this podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to talk. Um, <laughs> that's going to get me out of my shell. And then you mentioned, well, we can talk about Koa. Okay. I can bring Koa because then it's a little easier for me to talk. Yeah. You know, we're we're at the Mental Health Association. Uh, we talk very freely about our mental health. I I am on Prozac, and it keeps the darkness away, and it is a blessing to me every day. Um, and I could probably definitely benefit from COA. Um, I appreciate that you do this for the community and me. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, talk about your own journey with mental health. Um, yeah, so I'm one of those people that's a strong believer that mental health has probably touched everybody. Um, some people aren't as open to realizing that that was a mental health issue, but I would say mental health has definitely touched my life. I've had ADD, well, I've ha probably had it forever, but I was diagnosed in fifth or sixth grade, um, was told that I would probably never graduate high school because in the 80s there was even less known about ADD. Um, so the bar was set really low for me. And since that time I've been on medication for ADD, but I always look at my attention as sort of like a gas tank. Without the Ritalin, my gas tank's on empty. The Ritalin gets me to about 50 or about a half a tank. So it gets me more than what I would have had. So that's when I start looking for other ways of trying to fill in what the medication can't do, which I know in the past you did a blog post about mindfulness. That's where mindfulness comes into my life of it adds towards that fuel tank. So it gets me to about three quarters. So now I have almost as much attention control as other people using medication and something else. Okay. So <laughs> like you said, uh, we've, we've talked about mindfulness for years now. You, you, you're my homie, Jedediah. And there's, there's some amazing people that I've come across through this job who you just, you come to someone and you, and you realize, oh, you, you understand that meditation isn't just sitting with your eyes closed, that it has this profound effect on all aspects of your life. And it's not just something that you do when you're sitting in a dark room with your eyes closed. It's mindfulness can be every moment of every second of your life. And that's really was a big turning point for me that I realized that when I'm having negative thoughts, I have a mantra that I say, it's a present moment, wonderful moment. And uh, it's from a Vietnamese Tibetan monk who has embraced both Christianity and Buddhism. And his name's Thich Nhat Hanh. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. You know, talk to me about how mindfulness is kind of your therapy dog. Yeah. Um, I was in, see, it would have been my first year in my master's program at OU. And I was a, a graduate research assistant working with Rick Munoz. And he was having me do some research and some literature reviews for a manuscript that he was writing that I got to help with on mindfulness. At the time, it was probably the end of my first semester. 
And I had already realized I had spent all of the attention control I had, and it was not going to be pretty to get through the rest of this master's program because within five, ten minutes of being in a classroom, I was completely zoned out and had no idea what was going on. So in reading about mindfulness, I was like, hmm, this is interesting. It says it helps with attention control and allows you to be present in that very moment, which being present in this current moment is the only moment that matters. Don't ruminate on the past. Don't dwell on the future. It's how do you get present. Um, so I'm like, well, I can try this. So then I do what a lot of people do, especially if you're introverted. You buy books. You teach yourself how to do stuff. So I have several books that taught me how to meditate, which... One, teaching yourself how to meditate is never easy. And two, teaching yourself how to meditate when you have ADD is even worse. But over a period of a couple months, I started to see I could do it. Um, and then the days where I would meditate, I would notice if I was in a classroom, I could get through the entire class and tell you everything that happened in the class. The days I wouldn't meditate, it was just like before I ever learned. Five minutes in and I was done. Um, so I started to realize I can do more than what most people think I can. Yes, the medication helps, but I need a little bit more help than medication can provide. So why wouldn't I try mindfulness? And that's been probably five or six years. And now I try to meditate every day. There are certain days I can't when COA is my responsibility in the morning and I'm sitting on the floor trying to meditate. And the next thing you know, I'm being licked on the chin because the dog's in my face. Um, but for the most part, I try to meditate every day now. How often does he fall asleep in your lap? Um, all the time, really. Like if I take him with me to teach a class, um, depending upon the time of day, if I know if it's early in the morning, he's still sleepy. So I'll just scoot a chair to the front of the room and I'll sit down and he'll go to sleep and he'll sleep on my lap for the entire class at OU. <laughs> it's the only person in the room that you don't mind sleeping during your class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then occasionally he'll wake up doing this, this little high-pitched yawn and everybody in the room will laugh. So it kind of gives everybody this break of the seriousness yeah. of the classroom of, oh, there is this little cute dog in the front of the room. You know, give me an example of some very serious subject that you were talking about and COA kind of helped lighten the mood. Oh, yeah. So I was filling in earlier this semester teaching statistics. Um, everyone just loves statistics in a graduate program. <laughs> You can usually tell by five minutes in, everyone falls asleep. And I was trying to relate the seriousness of why it's important to understand how to read research papers if you're looking for evidence-based practices to help your clients. And to me, if you can make that connection, then students start to realize, oh, it is important. I do need to understand this. Well, we were in one of the computer labs, and Koa was sitting on one of those big swivel chairs that the seat is probably waist high. So it's pretty high in the room. And he's just sitting there watching the room. And one of the students made a noise, and he turned his head to the left as fast as he could, and the chair just starts spinning in circles. And he's just <laughs> sitting there going in these slow circles, and everyone in the room just starts laughing. I'm like, the joys of a therapy dog. <laughs> oh, that is the best. That's the best, Jedediah. I love that story. Um, <laughs> uh, well, while we're on funny stories, tell me, you know, you got any other funny Koa stories? Well, um, I don't know if it's funny, but probably one of my favorite ones is when I knew he was actually doing his job as a therapy dog. Um, as I mentioned, I'm not the most interactive person with other people. So I try to stay out of like the direct practice, therapeutic interventions. I like more of the community side of social work. 
Um, in teaching a community class, there was a student who was having some personal struggles. She was trying to express them to me after class, and she started to cry. And I'm thinking to myself of, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to do direct practice clinical social work, and it's not my thing. I can do it. I just don't like to. Koa was asleep on my lap. When he heard her crying, he stood up, shook his little head, climbed up on the desk, walked over to her, and started licking her hand. Um, I don't know if it was his idea of bailing me out. That way I didn't have to do therapy. He could. Um, or he just knew she needed something because she immediately just stopped crying and just started cheering up because here's this little puppy that for no reason other than he wanted to walked over at that moment and wanted to see her. So it's like, okay, he's got my back. He can bail me out. That's beautiful. Um, wow. So um, how can, you know, what, what advice would you give for someone who wanted to do just like you're doing to train their own little furry social worker? Uh, what, what are the steps that someone needs to do to start that journey? The first thing I would say is look at your dog's personality or temperament. Um, just like not every person is set out to be an attorney or a physician or a social worker, everyone has their own unique gifts. It may be the best dog on the face of the earth, but maybe they just don't like everyone or every situation. So find that easygoing dog that really doesn't care where you put them, what environment they're in. They just adjust or adapt. That's key. Um, the second one is they really need to go through some schooling as far as to learn obedience, um, learn manners, learn how to interact in public. Um, so like, for example, Ko has been in classes since he was 10 weeks old, and he's now seven months. Um, so he's went through puppy classes, beginner classes, intermediate classes, um, in about a week and a half, he starts his last series of like advanced classes. So it's them learning how to act, how to interact with people, what they can and cannot do. Um, at the same time, they start to learn, like if I was to leave the room and leave him with you, Matt, you could literally tell him to sit or stay and he would listen to you, not just me. I could leave him with someone else. Um, so it's just teaching them, I guess, how to be a really good citizen. And in fact, most therapy dogs at some point have to take this test through the American um, Kennel Club. It's the canine good citizen test um, to make sure they have the temperament and the skills to interact with people and to roll with whatever may come their way. So yeah, it's just repetition, classes, and just make sure they have a good temperament. Little dog, big dog, it doesn't matter. Um, there's one in the group that's a blue pit bull, um, which needless to say, people get scared of her, but she's the most docile, friendly, I would say little dog, but she's not that little, but the most friendly animal. And it's, again, don't judge the book by their cover. This dog interacts well with people, rolls with whatever comes her way, and she's in the process of training to be a therapy dog too. What about the temperaments of the human? What, what temperaments should someone have if they're going to try to do this? Patience and adaptability. When we started training him, he was maybe an inch off the ground. Like a lot of the times his belly would rub the ground. He was just so short. So when we were trying to teach him the difference between sit and down, um, he couldn't grasp the fact that's like a half inch apart. They're, they don't look any different to me. So we had to really adapt, and the trainer had to help us on how we taught him how to go down because what they do with big dogs wouldn't work because he's just so little. At the same time, you will learn your dogs don't like certain commands. I can tell him to, to go down, and he'll lay on the floor. And if I tell him to stay or wait... 30 seconds, and then he'll just sit up, and then he'll continue doing it. He doesn't like to lay down. So you just start to learn, if I'm going to leave the room and need to leave him be, I can tell him to sit and stay, and he'll wait. 
until I get back in the room. It's that ability to realize, hey, this dog is great, but he does not like this command. What command can I use in that place? So yeah, adaptability and patience. Especially if you have a high energy breed, patience is key. Yeah. What online resources would you direct someone to to learn more? Um, there are numerous if you're looking for therapy dogs. There's like the Therapy Dog Alliance. There's the American Service Dog Association. If you literally Google um, therapy dogs, there'll be a numerous organizations that they don't necessarily certify, but they register your therapy dog. So what they will do is once your dog reaches a certain age, they will team you up with a senior therapy dog and handler, and you will have to go out and do visits um, with them. And they will sign you off on, does your dog behave? Does the handler and the dog interact well with people? And it'll walk you through that process. Because most um, therapy dog organizations, they don't necessarily require your dog to have gone through obedience school. They look at the interaction between the handler and the dog to make sure that they can behave in public together and they can actually benefit society. So you could have one of those dogs that's never been through an official program of training, but they know sit, they know stay, they can walk on a leash, they don't jump, they love people, and that organization would probably sign off on that dog to become one of their registered therapy dogs. So there really isn't a correct or incorrect path other than at some point you need to have your dog associated with one of these associations because of the fact it puts them under their liability insurance. Interesting. So what's the name of Koa's school? Koa goes to school at Spirit Ranch. It's right there on 11th Street, just west of Hillcrest. That's where he goes to school, daycare, you name it. Nice. And that's right here in Tulsa. Yeah. Do you know of, do you know of any other places in Oklahoma? Um, there are several. There's a canine training institute here in Tulsa. They usually train more service dogs and police dogs, but they also do general obedience. Um, if you can get in with a certified trainer that does obedience training, that will get you in the right path to getting your dog to be a therapy dog. If you're trying to train a dog to be a service dog, that's a whole different, no pun intended, beast or animal because they're learning specific skills. But as far as therapy dogs to go out in the community and help the community, the key is, is really good obedience and a, and a nice, calm demeanor. And general obedience classes can can help well with that. I think weeks ago when we were at the Zero Mental Health Symposium and uh, we, we decided that we were going to do this podcast, um, and then you came, I think, not too long after that, and with Koa to our office, and you read me this most beautiful tribute to him. So why did you create this? The Mental Health Association was raising money for the United Way. And they had this pet contest of enter your pet into the favorite pet contest. Well, you had to write a bio. Um, so I wrote a bio, but I decided to be creative, and I wrote the bio as if Koa himself had actually wrote the bio. I figured it would give it a little twist. My name is Kakoa Li'ili'i, but my dads call me Koa. My name is Hawaiian for the small warrior. I'm a six-month-old Jack Russell Terrier training to be a therapy dog. My dads got me after my older brother, Ollie, passed away at 13. I was born on the same day he passed away, so I never got to meet him, but everyone tells me I'm just like Ollie. Since I moved in, I've been a bookworm, and I've been in school since I was 10 weeks old and won't be done until I'm around one. I love going everywhere with my dads, from shopping, to work with them, and even out to baseball games. 
It's really nice getting to meet people, brighten their days, help them forget about what is troubling them, show people that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and that everyone deserves a chance. Being a JRT, people think I'm always hyper, unruly, too smart for my own good, I must always be in trouble, and that I would be a bad therapy dog. However, just like people, I can surprise you. When it's time to go to work, I put on my vest, hold my head up high, I'm 11 inches tall, so not too high, and prove everyone wrong by being the best therapy dog in training they have ever met. I want to show people you can accomplish anything with hope. I'm the best little boy because I unconditionally love everyone and just want to make everyone I meet happy. That is Koa. Who, is he still asleep? He is still asleep. He's been asleep the entire time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Jedediah, for sharing that. I, I love when the first time you read that to me, uh, there was a little crowd around you and we all just, it was like a collective like sigh of like, oh. Yeah, he just he just has this ability and I don't know what it is. Um, even his vet, his vet was at a baseball game with us at Driller Stadium. And we asked the bartender out there on like the, I forget what they call it. It's the it's the Bush scoreboard bar. So we're out in mm-hmm. center field, and we asked if the dog could sit there. And he's like, sure. So we threw Koa's driller's blanket up on the metal bar, and Koa was sitting up there. And mind you, Koa was probably three, four months old at the time, so even smaller, sat there on his blanket watching baseball for like six innings. And his vet was like, if I didn't know his parents, I would swear that's not a real Jack Russell because he is just so calm. And he just knows when his vest's on, it's time to get to business. Wow. Maybe I should wear a vest. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) You'd get more done in the day. (laughs) Okay. So, Jedediah, thank you so much for being on the Mental Health Download. As is our tradition on the show, we let our guest uh, share a few last remarks and then close us out with our slogan, uh, which is from our, our dear friend Mike Bros. And it's go do good things. So Jedediah, take it away, buddy. Well, one thing I would like to leave people with is don't make assumptions about other people if you see them with a service animal in public. Um, There are people who may try to abuse a system, but the majority of people with a service dog, an emotional support animal, or even a therapy dog are either just trying to get through the day or they're trying to help others get through the day. So just simply ask. Um, Take the time to educate yourself on the differences and what's required to have one of these working dogs. I would encourage all of you to look up service animals, emotional support animals, and therapy dogs and see how they can help you or others in your community. So with that, go out and do good things.